Due to no fault of mine, Jerry's, or Mash's, the audio quality in the following podcast is fucking shithouse. Podcast intro for the 2nd of uh, May 2022. Now, Jerry, you must have heard about all these ram raids that are happening. Just most of them, most of the people involved under 20, they're having it up on t- TikTok. They're just ramming through the front of stores, grabbing what they can and getting the hell out of there. So many ram raids. Ram, 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 ram. Ram, ram, ram. And um, it's freaking people out because it's such an intense thing to do, isn't it? You know, like, you know, it, there's the gentleman cat burglars that um, put on a um, ninja suit and shimmy their way up the side of a um, a mansion and steal some diamonds. Is that still happening, is it? Yeah. I think people can get their head around that. Yeah, well, But if I you can. just drive through the front door of the mansion and then 100 people run in and grab the stuff and run away, it seems, mm-hmm. it seems extreme, doesn't it? Well, because what happens now, so you... It's quite often big groups too, right? You... It seems like quite organised crime, but also quite chaotic. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. It's like, is it people don't sort of know? There's some sort of TikTok link they're saying because people post them up there. But are they saying that? Oh. Um, are they saying it's all just random for fun and shits and giggles, um, or is it organised by by um, gang members? But I'll tell you what, someone, Jerry, you're a big fan of them, Graham Bell, you know, Detective Inspector. Graham Bell retired or yeah. retired Detective Inspector Graham Bell? It's Detective Inspector Graham Bell retired. Uh, he, is he, it Detective Inspector or is it Detective Senior Sergeant Graham Bell? I, I'm, uh, I, I don't know. Well, uh, what, what happens? This is this is the guy. So this is the this is the guy you'll remember from Police 10-7. Tonight on Police 10-7, we're looking for your help to find a group of murderous thugs. Two young creeps, a half-wit with a gun, a false beard and a turban. A mindless lowlife, two vicious morons, two armed and violent mongrels, three stooges, three desperate and wild-eyed gutless goons, three vicious apes, two fat women and a man with a gun. <laughs> this scruffy little thug, this little germ, lunatic scumbag with a steak knife. I'll be looking for more help from you later on. <laughs> because it'd be interesting to see, because there is also this accusation going around that the police have got soft. Cuddles Costa, the um, is his actual name Cuddles Costa, the the Andrew Costa, and oh Andrew Costa, but they call him Cuddles Costa. Cuddles. He's the boss of the place. He he uh, replaced Mike Bush, who was a very good looking man, and he was um, Bush. But wow, who knows? But I heard he was a pants man. Pants man. Yeah. Well, anyway, I know that he gets a lot of that. A lot of women thought he thought he was very attractive, but he he had a long history going back through the cops, and then and then the new cups cuddles Costa, especially around those um, protests in Wellington. Mm. He was seen as he was a bit soft, and then yeah. he, then he really hardened up and really cracked some heads at the end. Yeah, he certainly did. Uh, but some people are saying that the ram raids are a result of soft policing and yeah. and soft sentencing, and people under twenty believing that they can just get away with what they're doing without any consequences you know you're not going to do any jail time with the way the courts are and uh, you've got a theory that they're only doing it because they were locked down for so long they had terrible cabin fever so the result of a uh, the COVID lockdowns is an equal and opposite reaction where people go absolutely freaking crazy when they get out and especially young people feel like the world has been 
all about old people. It's like we need to lock down to protect old people. We need to take away the best years of your life to protect other people. So there's a bit of anger and a bit of hatred towards the government and authorities, aren't they? Because they feel like they've had a bit taken away from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're going to chat to uh, Detective Inspector Graham, Graham Bell. Bell. Retired. Should we give him a? Should yes, we give, give him, him a, a ring. Yeah. Should we give him a bell? Yeah. Let's give <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell. It's interesting, yeah, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Great New Zealander, Graham Bell. Retired, of course, now. Hello, Graham Bell here. G'day, Graham. Matt and Jerry here from Radio Haraki. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Oh, so good to have you, Graham. Now, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're doing a podcast, Graham. So what we do is uh, we, we, we'll have a chat to you on the podcast and then uh, we'll cut up the podcast and then uh, play it tomorrow on the show, if that's okay with you. Yeah, should be fine. Oh, good. Now, we wanted to talk to you about the situation with policing in the country at the moment because, of course, um, you have a great history going back a a long way and you've seen the different eras of policing and there's there's a ram raid situation that's going on at the moment and it is uh, freaking people out because it seems just intense anarchy. And there's sort of an accusation around that that, Policing and sentencing has got soft, and that's that's leading to people thinking that they can get away with just driving cars through the fronts of buildings. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that the evidence, uh, the proof is in the pudding because they are getting away with it. It's um, even when they're caught, they're not made to face any consequences. One of the problems that has got us where we are in our society today is that for the last twenty years, no one has really had to face any meaningful consequences for. Um, unlawful behaviour it's just become ridiculous and I don't know what the answer is I guess um, you know people say you can't wind back the clock but where do you go well Detective Inspector Graham Bell retired do you think there was a particular time you're saying 20 years was there a particular piece of legislation or do you think this is just a slow creep that's occurred in the last 20 years I think it has been a slow and probably, uh, when I say 20 years, it's probably closer to 25 or 30, really. But it's um, I, my own view is that I don't think that the um, all the, the brouhaha around the anti-smacking legislation has helped. There's, that's one factor. Because it wasn't only the fact that smacking was outlawed, it was the, the misapprehensions that, uh, that got about in society that to touch your children in any way and that the anti-smacking law was, I believe, introduced to try and stop the, the, um, the gross beatings of children that were resulting in deaths and hospitalisations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, no one agrees with that. And it, but it hasn't really had the effect, has it? I mean, those things are still happening with not regularity, but um, I believe that... Uh, the lack of consequences for wrongdoing for children has had an, a, a long-running effect and they're continuing to have that effect. Graham Bell, does it freak you out that some of the kids performing or some of the kids that are involved in these ram raids particularly, someone was saying 11, a, a, a number, someone said, I heard the, the number seven bandied about, like yes. seven-year-olds involved. I'm not sure how they know that there are seven-year-olds involved in this, but... Does that? Well, I mean, how does a seven-year-old even get involved in that? By being with another group of, um, of basically um, unrestrained ratbags. These, these kids are 
they they're forming themselves into groups of uh, of marauding, um, callous, uh, feral ratbags at getting around at night looking for trouble to get into, with no restraint being applied to them by society no parental restraint whatsoever. You've got to ask yourself, when these kids um, fill up their boot with electrics and cigarettes and things from these places, where do they take them? And when they take them home, why aren't their parents saying, hey, where have these come from and doing something about it? Or even, for that matter, where the hell have they been at 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning? Do you think there is a part of this because... You know, I imagine you thought when all these lockdowns were happening and people were in their houses that there was going to be a sort of cabin fever response. I see a lot of sort of stuff now, and I know with my children, there was quite a lot was taken away from young people in terms of normal socialisation, maybe the limiting factors of schools, and, you know, even as much as um, playing sport was taken away for a lot of kids, especially in Auckland City where they had we had much longer lockdowns than anyone else. Do you think that's any part of it, that there's a reaction to what was taken away from them? Look, it could be an element, but I don't think it's the actual cause. I mean, these the kids are going to be um, from families that are going to create problems no matter what the social conditions are because a lot of them are creating their own social conditions. I mean, it's easy to say that they're bored or that um, you know, uh, other things like um, colonisation or historical events have, have created this, but in fact, it's just poor parenting. That, it, that's what it boils down to. You get one lot of kids born in, under awkward circumstances, let's say, where they um, there's a father figure or what have you, and they, they grow up virtually um, their own, you know, so they're looking for other kids that are from similar backgrounds and they all get together and then this is what we get. Graeme, in your experience in the police, and it was a, a, a very long career that you had inside of the police, Was did, were you aware of, of families? Um, I mean, it's obviously, when, when people see criminality in New Zealand, they think, oh, you know, these, these are acts for, by individuals, but was, was it were there certain families that were, were known to police? I mean, were there, were there troublemakers oh, that were, were well-known? Absolutely. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, yeah, no, that's a, very, uh, that's a very common theme in policing, that, um, you know, someone will ring up and say there's a disturbance in such and such a street, and before you even get there, you know which house that it's going to be emanating from because you've been there so many times before. Yeah, and some I once heard, you know, from a retired policeman, you you, you solve one one burglary and you've actually uh, there's actually two hundred involved in that one burglary. So a, a certain a small percentage of people are doing so much of the damage. Oh, absolutely. And so um, it, it used to be said that the criminal element. By, this is uh, when I did my criminology papers. They used to say that criminal criminal uh, made up about seven percent of the population. And I think that it's probably still roughly the figure, but you've got to wonder that the way society has developed in the last 20 or 30 years, there are a lot more um, have-nots and a lot less haves these days. I think that there's, you know, the, um, the haves have, have shrunk in numbers and the have-nots have grown considerably. Yeah. And at 7%, uh, generally speaking, and, you know, there is a generalisation, so it does away, but most of the people at 7% come from the have-nots. Mm. 
And so if you've got a, a number of those, you're going to get a, possibly a greater number of criminals coming from there because they're feeling disenfranchised and um, all the other bits and pieces that, that create the criminal. I was impressed with your, um, with your description of, of the Ram Raiders early, earlier, Graham. Um, so uh, just, to, just to be clear on this, I, I think it would be good to get that, that terminology down and, uh, and make sure that we, that we, that we use that. It was, um, so, I, I believe it was so, it involved the word rat, but I can't remember the, I can't remember the rest of it. A, a marauding bunch of um, feral rat bats. A marauding bunch of feral rat bats. Because they are marauding. A, a marauding. Bunch of feral rat Yeah, there's definitely a bunch, are. and they're definitely rat bags. There's no doubt about that. And and the marauding sense, I, I totally agree with you. And when I saw the, the CCTV footage of of cars coming through, and then a whole lot of people marauding behind them, and yeah. oh mess. But I, but part of me did think, Graham, with with you know, obviously there's there's victims in this. There's no doubt about it. Um, and and yeah, that's not good. Right. But but one one part of me did think, well, these if these are kids, they've planned this quite. Ke- this is. I mean, I imagine that they would have visited the place, they would have cased it out, they would have worked out how they were going to get it. I mean, they must, they must have held meetings and stuff like that to be able to work out how they well, were going to do it. It's hard to say. I mean, it, it, it's a pretty brutal, thuggish sort of crime. They charge up with a stolen car and crash into the place and drive all through it. I mean, it's not exactly um, um, Mr. Big Stuff, is it? You know what I'm saying? It's... Uh, it's yeah. pretty, pretty right, okay. thuggish behaviour. Okay. Yeah, it's hardly, you're hardly cat burglar um, shimming up the side of a mansion and stealing no. the Hope Diamond, is it? <laughs> exactly. And it's so dangerous that it's unbelievable. That, yeah. You know, those kids running through that mall when those cars were charging around like that, that's just unbelievably dangerous. It reminded me of a case I encountered 50 years ago where a, um, a group of about three or four Young people, um, I think they were teenagers, broke into a factory or warehouse building in Panmua. And to get at the stolen goods, they moved, one of them decided to move this tractor with one of those digger arms on the back of it. And while he was doing it, he swung the digger arm around and it hit another one of the kids in the head and killed him. Oh, yeah. And, and that young fellow that was driving the tractor, he was charged with manslaughter because manslaughter is causing a death by while committing an unlawful act, basically, right, and that's exactly what they were doing. And any anyone that uh, that that are putting themselves open to this sort of thing, you know, it's just it's quite frightening. And you see it it does happen, and it will happen. Yeah, I mean, it's only a matter of time before someone gets horrifically injured in that situation, especially if you've got so many people under twenty, and if you you know they're getting down to being twelve years old and stuff. They don't make oh, good exactly. Dis- and imagine the plates of sheet glass, um, yeah. uh, sh- shards of sheet glass dropping down uh, uh, as they're going through those doors. And it's just frightening, really. Graeme, you obviously watch the news still, and you keep abreast with with what's going on. And I'm sure you still have friends inside of of the force. The 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 crime statistics say that that there is less crime today than what there was ten years ago, and twenty years ago, and thirty years ago. Is that the way that that you view it? No, that's not how I see it at all. I, I think that um, quite, the major ones, like murders, uh, haven't really grown in the last 30, 40 years. But, I mean, when I was the media officer in Auckland back in the early 90s, 
that stage, the homicides were running at about 70 or 80 a year Jeez. in New Zealand, and they're pretty much the same. Right. The, the statistics have been cu- uh, skewed by the events in Christchurch a couple of years ago, but the um, but generally speaking, that's what murders pretty much remain at. But um, the crimes of violence uh, have become so much more violent. You know, I mean, it's it's just they're far grosser than they were when I was in the police. I mean. People are so rarely resorting to weapons, clubs, knives, firearms. Uh, this is a, a real, um, this is a real growth factor in our crime stats, and it's a real worry. Mm. And would you link that, like a lot of people are, to a rise in uh, alcohol and methamphetamine abuse? Absolutely. Yep. Definitely. Especially methamphetamine. I mean, it's just a, it's been a disaster for society worldwide. Methamphetamine yeah. and continues to be. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. That's that's the well, problem. Is anyone is anyone sure of what to do about it? I don't think they are. Mm. And you know, all of these things aren't helped by the re, um, the reluctance of our courts, authorities, governments to put people in prison. The one thing about prison is that when someone's in there, they're not out in society committing crimes. And that's the biggest deterrent factor for most of us is that, if, you know, uh, house burglaries used to be the big thing. And they're still happening, but they're not given the um, the attention that they once were. And yeah. It was, it was the, when I first joined the police way back in 1968, if someone got caught for doing burglary, they went to prison. But now you've got to achieve somewhere in the realm of 40-odd convictions before you end up going to prison. Prison is one of the hardest places in the world to get into. You have to ram-raid your way in through the front front gates to get in. It's it's almost as hard as making the (laughs) all-black. I I mean, I agree, Graham, with you. I I do agree with that point. But the other thing I, I would say is that once you do go into prison, though, I mean, maybe, I don't know, you can lock someone away and that's all good, but eventually they are going to get out. Now, at that point, um, they're going to go back into their community, they're going to go back into their family, wherever they're going to go. And if that yeah. person if that person is not a better person than when they went in, and you're presuming that they're going to spend time in that prison thinking about what they did wrong and how they're going to make their life better. Now, if they don't, that's not going to be very good, if you know what I mean. And I, I, I wonder whether we haven't done, whether we've done enough to rehabilitate prisoners. We haven't done enough to educate them. We I mean, we spend a lot in keeping them in, in jail. To be fair, I think rehabilitation is a... Um, the phrase rehabilitation is pie in the sky. The chances of someone being rehabilitated when they're in prison are pretty remote because, as I've just illustrated, they, they have to have committed a lot of crime before they even get in there. So they're well past the stage of being re- rehabilitated. So. Right. So you reckon it's got to be done, all that's got to be done before. It's got to be done early. It does. It's got to be done when they're kids, basically. Yeah. yeah and, and I mean, the, the, the prison's greatest value is keeping um, persistent offenders out of circulation. Yeah, well, the problem is, though, and this is the problem society would always have, and the multidisciplinary study out of Otago University found that the damage is done in the first 36 months of someone's life. So if they haven't seen love in their life and they don't see a, a um, you know, and this is a couple of theories coming together, but if they don't see a solid family and they don't see a, a solid life and they don't feel safe, 
then they run into this sort of outlier sort of mindset. And and, and, and what do you do about that? Like if, if people are broken by the time before they even go to primary school, then yes. what, I mean, then what, what hope have we got? Well, you, you only need to talk to school teachers in the primary sector and they'll tell you that they can see early on who the troublemakers in society are going to be. You know, they some oh, often they're glad to see the back of them when they're heading off to secondary school <laughs> oh, if they even make it there. You know, <laughs> yeah. So when you were and, in the in the police, Graham, how hard or how easy did you find it to leave what you were seeing? Because I imagine you see some pretty full on stuff, and I mean you're dealing with that all day. It's not some people deal with problems inside of their work, inside of their jobs, but generally most of the things they're dealing with are. are, are of a positive nature, whereas if you're in the force, you, you, you're generally dealing with things that are in, an, in a negative realm. Um, how, do you, how do you leave that behind and not let that bleed into the rest of your life or into your family? Did you, did you have trouble with that yourself? It's a very, very good question, and there are a lot of, um, a lot of aspects to it. I adopted what I called the professionalism switch. So when I was working, I turned the professionalism switch on and then when I knocked off I turned it off again and I found that the best way but th- there are other aspects to it like like police who are parents <coughs> excuse me police who are parents also have to struggle with what um, what is often referred to as the resolution factor they're going during their professional lives they're going into homes and dealing with domestics all sorts of other situations, and their jo- and their main aim there is to get a resolution and get out again. Mm. And when you're bringing up your own children, you have to be able to get past that um, that resolution mindset, if you like. So you you know you've got to become a loving father, not someone that's going to resolve the problem now and then get on with everything else. You know. Yeah. Uh, so that's what a lot of um, a lot of uh, parenting police have to deal with them. Um, making that distinction, and it's not easy. It's, uh, it's just because you become good at resolving uh, conflict issues at work, You, uh, it's hard not to bring those skills into your home. Detective Inspector Graham Bell retired. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on the Matt and Jerry Show podcast. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always enjoyed uh, your presence on on the screen. I'm I'm sad that you're no longer there. To be honest, I thought you I thought you were very good, and um, and it's always great to chat. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, Graham. Okay. okay, cheers. Thank you so much. No trouble. See you later. Unfortunately, we were dealing with a line there, which is really yeah. irritating, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the same thing happening through the show. Did, did you restart that match? Did the did the phone yeah. system restart? Yeah, I've, I've, re- I've done everything I can here, unfortunately. But yeah, well, it's someone. not good enough, clearly. Yeah, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, you've ruined it. Um, it's annoying, isn't it? Well, clicking, it's, yeah, hard, it's, to, clicking. it's clicking. hard to concentrate. And it's, I, I think the problem with, do you know what I think the problem with crime is? Is it's an impossible thing to solve. Because, you know, and this, this is the problem, and no one can solve it, and I don't want to go into the philosophical implications of our lack of free will in life. But at some point, you've got to punish for people for committing crimes but at the same time you've got to admit that their circumstances created the people that they are mm. and you know that thing they talk about about those studies their first 36 months of your life being so key and if you feel like the world's a happy and good place and you feel safe then you develop a certain type of personality and if you don't feel that then you feel, you you 
form an outsider's personality where you're just going to take what you can get and to try and survive for yourself. So you become, you don't have the same empathy for the world and you don't have the same sense of community. It's, it's been proven. So you get someone ram raiding at, at, at 16, right? Then that's a person that doesn't have much to lose, do mm. they? It doesn't feel like they have much to lose. And they obviously have to be punished. They have to be, because we can't have a society where people do that. But then... At the same time, you've got to be compassionate to them because they didn't have all the advantages that someone that grew up in a loving family. So it's just so freaking complex. Of course. And, and the crime stats are interesting because the most crime is perpetuated between males from the age of 18 to 25. And that's when you biologically need to be taking the most crazy-ass risks, risks to spread your, yeah. your... I mean, men at that age are operating to just be out in the world doing yeah. things and trying to be big men, be prove themselves, do whatever. It's, it's a, it's a crazy-ass freaking time and yeah. then you add what um graham bell was saying there about like it's the it's the people that don't have anything as well which is means you've got to have a society that actually has less people and that's the same thing with methamphetamine you know especially in rural communities the people they don't have any anything to look forward to or to be part no, of so they no. might as well freaking destroy no. everything and then it's all coming back to luck yeah in the end luck of where you're born luck of the circumstance that you find yourself in throughout your 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 childhood years luck of the of the role models that you run into which has nothing to do with you luck of society though has to make it society has to make its own luck as well by incarcerating people that commit crimes and it's unfair on that particular person but it's because it's also unfair on the victim the person that's just trying to run a, a shop Oh, no. Then they get ram raided. It's not their fault, so no, they become they a victim. They, they have to feel secure as well. So, yeah. as much as you feel sympathy for the people for the difficult life that they've had, you also have to feel sympathy for the person that's trying to run a business and has is absolutely terrified, and their kids are terrified and don't feel safe because yeah. this is happening. So it's like, it's but as so- you pointed out, and and as Graham was saying, you know, uh, when you when you go, I've visited a few prisons over the years, and when you go and you have a chat to to prisoners, yeah, you realise that none of none of these people were in a situation where they were given a whole lot of stuff. That's why we... Like, re- that's the common thing that you work out. You go, all these people have come from horrific situations. That's why we really hate like a Jeffrey Dahmer, like a person that came oh. from a loving family, then a psycho yeah. freak. That's it's so if you, unusual. If you, if you can't trace it back, but it's all very well for someone like me to be you know, a law-abiding citizen when it comes to you know, burglar and violence. I've never committed anything like that. But so easy for me because I had a loving family mm. and I was brought up and there was no never any time in my life when I didn't feel safe. So I've always thought that the world at least had something for me. Yeah. But imagine if you were brought up and you never felt like the world offered you freaking anything and you never you never thought that like you know, and I think that's sort of, you know, just to go into weird philosophy and blah blah blah. But I think a lot of young people now after all the lockdowns are going, Oh, well, this world doesn't really look after me, does it? It just it just locks me down and takes stuff off me, and so they don't love authority. Yeah. <laughs> they're not loving the, the they're not loving um, the idea of giving up your life for for elderly people. Is well, really people what they've been told. People definitely do crazy things after they've been. I mean, there's a thing called cabin fever, and cabin fever is obviously when you have, when you're restricted in some way, and then when you're finally released, you generally behaviour goes strange. And interestingly, this article that I read suggested that Vladimir Putin has been suffering from cabin fever. <laughs> oh my god! And hence, yeah, I mean, in I mean, a situation like him, one of those powerful people in the world, he ram raided a country. What would you do? You do the stupidest, weirdest thing that seems to have no to 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 many people 
uh, apart from people who say, well, he, he expects that it's uh, the Ukraine should be a part of the Soviet Union, which kind of makes some sense, but not completely, that you would invest a huge amount of money in, in trying to take over a country and, and knowing that the, the result's not going to be, you're not probably going to get a result. Yeah. Now, that is the ultimate act of post-cabin fever stupidity. Yeah. You know, it's a great example of it. But there have been, uh, been so many weird things that have happened in the, in the last wee while yeah. that oh. I, I reckon you can link back to yeah. the oh, well, last that, two years. Yeah, and so much of energy. And part of cabin fever is you're not expending your energy. Or, or or moving towards your goals or doing all, any of those sort of things or operating in sensible socialised packs where people kind of socialise the, the maybe someone goes that's a stupid thing to be oh, thinking we spend, we've been spent you know thousands of years honing down this particular society and then we just we completely threw every one of its principles out I know everything all of the important tenets of it disappeared it was quite weird actually but I'll tell so, you what one thing's for sure Jerry you and me aren't going to solve the freaking no, crime problem no and uh, and uh, mine's far. I bet he's got own. amazing uh, the things. I was disappointed because I wanted to go into some. I mean, Graham Bell would have some amazing stories. Yeah, yeah, but the like, phones were too shit. Next level. Phones were shit. Yeah, apologies for that. Yeah, apologies but, for that. I mean, I'm, in fact, I'm going to go back and record apology at the start of this for that. Oh yeah, okay. Okay, can you put this at the start, please, Mesh? Judah, no fault of our own. <laughs> the audio in this podcast is shit. So you just bear with us. Can, is that a good thing at the moment? Is that going up? Actually, no, if you I put that at the beginning, then everyone will just turn off. No, but it's much more annoying if we don't address it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say it again. Yeah. Due to no fault of mine, Jerry's, or Mash's, the audio quality in the following podcast is fucking shithouse. Please bear with us. This has been the podcast intro. The highlights of the Matt and Jerry show are also available right now in its own podcast. And in the end, it's all the same thing. The podcasts, the FM broadcast breakfast show weekdays, it's all the Matt and Jerry show on Radio Hodaki. Follow us at Matt and Jerry on Instagram. And if you have a question, send an audio recording to mattandjerry at yahoo.com. We may just play it in our office hours shows. Anyway, you seem busy. Bless, bless, bless. Love you, babes. Give them a taste of kiwi from me.